0: live learn grow and enjoy everything there is to running together i hope you enjoy the show Welcome back to episode 38 of the Run Culture Podcast. In this week's episode, I have the privilege to have a chat with Mr. Timo Shaughnessy. In this conversation, we firstly talk about his current involvement with the Melbourne Track Club and Nick Bido. We then talk about his introduction into the sport, how he met Pat Clahesse went to Xavier College and trained with Rob De DiCostella. We also talk about his history with Ron Clark, Chris Wardlaw and the pack and what training was like back then. The conversation then branches out to Tim's coaching career in football, his involvement with Collingwood Football Club as their fitness advisor and then his involvement with Athletics Australia as the national distance running coordinator which expanded into his involvement as the long-distance running coach at the Beijing Olympics. As you'll soon find out, Tim is a fantastic storyteller. I absolutely love doing this interview because, if anything, it felt more like a chat, a conversation with someone who loves running just as much as me. Without further ado, here's my chat with Tim. Enjoy. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Tim.
1: Thanks, Diane. Pleasure.
0: Nice. Um, you were just saying before off air that um you've been at Caulfield uh, Racecourse. Uh, you know with ch- at training.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Caulfield Racecourse Thursday morning is the uh, standard threshold running, and uh, um, we we were there this morning. We're trying to keep things reasonably normal in what is not a very uh, normal situation at the moment. But um, we had. Uh, Oh, we had a good group there this morning it would have been uh you know 30 uh 30 athletes there all keeping their distance threshold running you can do that they shouldn't all be running together anyway yeah at uh it um well under the uh the the recommended uh limit of about 100 i think it is at the moment so um look things are changing and uh we we're not really sure what what will happen from from here but um uh Look, so far, yeah, they've continued on training, even though intensity is not what uh, what it would be if they were training for the Olympics or training for nationals, which uh, you know would you do up pretty much uh, um, you know next yep. week.
0: So with that's with the Melbourne Track Club guys, and and is it also with um um yeah a lot of your squad as well? Is that yeah, correct?
1: Nick's group, the Melbourne Track Club guys, and uh, and my the athletes that I coach that are uh, that are not at school, so um, yeah, those those that have left, you know, and, um, you know athletes such as um, you know Sophia Sullivan, Adam Adam Spencer, King, Knight, um, plus a few older ones, you know James Coleman and um, Tom Thorpe and these guys, and um, Nick um, Nick's really accommodating with our guys. Joining in, but he also says that he thinks it uh, it's really good for his guys as well. Keeps them pretty grounded, uh, adds a bit of variety to the group, and um, yeah, adds um, you know just just a, a good atmosphere as well with, with the extra numbers coming along. Yeah, great learning experience for our guys. It's really amazing for them to to see uh, you know this morning Stewie McSwain and Brett Robinson. The way they go about their training, and uh, to, to see firsthand what you know, what what these uh, what our top athletes do. So we're
2: very lucky in that instance.
0: And do does everyone do it um, off heart rate monitoring, or um, what's their thresholds generally yeah, look yeah, like? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, um, the, look the older guys they know they know they mainly go off the field. Yeah, uh,
1: but that's built up over many years of working off heart rate or working out what, what that should be. The younger ones, it's a bit more of a learning curve for them and
2: uh, a bit of education involved in them. But um, yeah, look, at it, it's, a, it's a heart
1: rate type session, yeah.
0: And because um, you've been intimately so involved with um, you know, Melbourne Track Club and um, the development of their squad over the years, uh, what do you feel like has made them so good? uh over time uh
1: yeah that's a that's a that's a great question Uh, um, and and
2: i suppose it's you know they're they're all talented
1: runners that's that's probably the first thing they've all got uh, they've all got ability but uh i think the uh the next phase is that is is the work ethic and the camaraderie and and the group atmosphere that that uh that exists there so you know you've got um you've got the top runners and they they set the standards i think that's really uh, nick's nick's a pretty hard taskmaster but it all it would fall down and, and unless the top runners uh did the right thing so i think it's uh, there's a lot of leadership there yeah on better runners which uh, carries on throughout the group so yeah look it's it's some talent but also backed up with um Good habits and uh, and a really good work ethic, and and look like all groups and they they uh, they have their fun. They get on really well together, and um, you know I've, in the roles I've had over the years, uh, a thing I've noticed is that um, in this sport, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of camaraderie amongst uh, a lot of groups. So it's not just uh, not just the thing that that Melbourne Track Club have but I'm sure it's it, it's around uh, a lot of the training groups.
0: Yep. Yeah, um I just wanted to like I did a bit of reading about it um uh, in preparation for um chatting to you Tim and I came across this quote from Nick uh uh on an article um uh a few years back and he said everyone thinks it's to do with the training. You can learn about the training in four or five books. It's written everywhere. It's the other stuff. Some people, no matter how much you tell them, they'll never be able to do it. A lot of this is about people and knowing what their needs are, knowing what makes them tick, opening the door for them, getting them to believe and getting them to know to want to do certain things and getting prepared to do certain things. Um, I read a lot of stories about other sports, particularly American sports stories about people overcoming obstacles, and I'm fascinated by those sorts of things because that's what I do. That's the heart of it. Um, so, like, it sounds like a lot of it is about just building that good team culture. It's, it,
1: it, it is that, and, uh, and and what you touched on there from that is is belief. Yep. And uh, Nick's, Nick's really good at... Uh, at getting the best out of these athletes in, in in various ways, knowing them as individuals and what and what really makes them tick, but also they get uh, they get a lot of confidence from the training that they do, which is uh, look they they train hard. Don't get me wrong, it's um, not uh, um, you know that that is that is a key part of it. it is the hard consistent training, uh, but also um, Nick's got a great ability to. Get them to believe and uh, and have a way of just getting the best out of them. There've been many examples over the years of where where he's been able to do that. And uh, um, I remember back to um, uh, a famous story about um, um, Benita Willis or Benita Johnson uh, when she was then when she won the the world cross country championship in 2004, and he he was able to get her. To believe she could win, when most Australians would have said, oh, "It, uh, it'd be great to get a medal." And uh, he, um, I remember he told me a story about um, during the race he was with, uh, you know, with uh, one of uh, the Australian um, uh, a former great runner who said, oh, "I think, uh, I think Benita can get a medal here." And Nick said she can win. <laughs> and, um, that's, uh, and he actually gave her a strategy of. Saying to her that um, in this race it's going to get really hard and really tough. Yep. At, uh, but when you get to the finish line, it'll all be worth it. The pain will be over. He says, just like, just imagine you're holding a uh, a bar, and it's above a a, um, a pit, and you're about six or eight feet high. And if you let go of that bar, then you're going to fall. And you're going to fall into this pit and you're going to really damage you You know you're going to break your legs it's going to really uh, you're going to really going to do some damage yep you so the analogy there is to to hold on hold on hold on to the kenyans and then when you see a chance when you get to to close to the finish go for it yeah when you cross that finish line and you let go just imagine there'll be some uh mattresses there below and you and you'll you'll have a soft landing very, very simple, but Benita said that she was thinking during the race I've just got to hang on here, this is tough but when I get to the finish line um, you know, it'll be there'll be a soft landing, and it'll be easy for me, so lots of examples of that and and, and you have to actually um, come up with different things to different athletes, Mot- a
0: Mottram would be different to a Benita, how you would motivate them and Nick's fantastic in doing that. As in like reading different personalities and Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, uh, like, with Stewie McSwain's rise, uh, I remember chatting to Dave McNeil um, uh, several years ago, and he was saying that, um, yes, Stewie was performing really well in training, um, but seemed to lack a little bit of confidence once he got to race day and probably wasn't, you know, carrying through what he showed on the training track just yet. But he... He sure sure is doing that now. Um, do do you feel like? Um, I mean, it's been really amazing to see the rise that Stewie's had um, uh, under Nick. Um, uh, what 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 do you put that down to? Like, what, 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 is a lot of that just training over time? But is it also that he's yeah, believing in himself he's, now? I think what yeah. Dave's saying,
1: uh, yeah. yeah, probably right. That yeah. uh, the belief side of it. The first thing comes with though uh, the improvement in training and the ability in training to, uh, to get better and uh, yeah Nick, Nick worked out uh, then how he was going to uh, uh, improve Stewie and get that belief and part of it is, is the races that they, uh, that they choose the goals that they set uh, achievable goals along the way without ruining his confidence and then look Nick would have done a lot of one-on-one talking to him and uh, giving him race plans, giving him the belief that uh, that he can do it. And then, of course, once, once you start to do it, uh, it grows from there. Your confidence and belief grows once you start to uh, see that, uh, yes, I can do it. So, lot of, um, and that 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 was a that was a fairly long process. You know, that that would have been a three or four year process to get Stewie to where, where he is now. And look, he's a, he's he's different. Nick's had to treat him a little bit differently, as he would as he as he has some other athletes because he's a he's a different personality. Yep. And, um, but that's the that's the role of a coach is to um, to be able to adapt, um, but also work out. Ways of getting the best out of your athletes.
0: Was there signs like four or five years ago, like if you were to, if someone was to ask you um, back then, like that Stewie would be so good or could get so good? Yeah. yeah.
1: Look, I, I there were signs that he could be very good. Yep. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like to say that. Uh, um, that I thought he was going to be. As good as he is, but I still remember, probably three years ago, and um, we're at the tan. It was the middle of winter, so Stewie hadn't travelled overseas at this time, and they were doing a session, and Ralph DuBell turned up. Oh, yeah. And uh, He, uh, as as Stewie was running towards us, Ralph stopped and chatted. I know him, you know, yep. was sort of written really well, and um, I said, to him, I still remember saying, I said, oh, this guy here, this guy's going to be really good. Ralph, watch out for him. <laughs> and um, Ralph said, looked at him and he said, that guy, no, nah, he's he's too uneconomical. He'll never be any good." <laughs> <End of. laughs> and so I, uh, I, um, I often I have a bit of a laugh about that um, with Stewie from time to time. And when he broke the Australian record, I said, "Oh yeah, did you, did you get a message from Ralph Travell um, <laughs> yet?" <laughs> anyway, so um, but uh, uh, so look, yeah, there was some signs, but yeah, it's um, I'm not going to put my hand up and say it uh, predicted what he's been able to achieve, and and there's more to come, of course.
0: Yep. Now, I think that's so good for so many runners to hear, like as in, um, because like I see so many runners, you know, stopping or giving up quite quite early, or thinking, you know, after six months of training, that's as good as they're going to get. Um, so. You know, it's it's nice to hear that. You know, you just you know, year on year, um, you know, it's a kind of a sport that your physiology and your confidence just keeps growing and changing. Um, if you just keep sticking at it, um, yeah,
1: yeah. No, and that that actually was a message I was I had with a couple of athletes this morning that are you know their first year out of school, and I said, look, at these guys, look at uh, um. You know, your Jack Raines, who was there this morning, and um, Brett Robinson, and how long it's taken them to get uh, to the level that they've got to. Jack's a really good example. It's it's it, it's taken him a number of years. Uh, he's been a good runner, but to be a very good runner, it's it's taken him years. And when you're eighteen, as these guys are, it um, it can be a bit daunting to say, well, look, it's going to take you three or four years to get
2: of hard work but that's that's what it uh that's what it's about and and
1: you you try to i suppose yeah be um be honest with them and um uh, but also try to create an environment that they will want to keep running for two three four five years to to be the best they possibly can
0: yep how's jack going now
1: yeah jack uh He's picked up pretty quickly. We were, so, we were, we were quite amazed this morning. At, uh, he's only been back a few weeks and only started sessions just recently. And, um, no, he's – he's look, he's just one of those guys maybe that doesn't lose too much fitness because he didn't do – he did some cycling, but he, with his injury, he wasn't able to do a lot of uh, cross-training, so he did some cycling. But he – yeah, he um, – he, he was re- he was really good this morning. He got smashed a bit on Tuesday. It's a bit harder when you are doing they were doing like um, you know four hundred repeats off thirty seconds. That that um that hurt him a bit. But the threshold stuff today, he was uh, yeah he he, he he was he
2: looked really good.
0: Nice. Um and on on so on Tuesdays is that the t- typical um routine? Is that to go um to Waverley um, grass track and yeah so. Yeah.
1: In, over the over summer, it's uh, um, mainly Waverley. Uh, well, the last few weeks, it's been a Moravan uh, track because there's been some
2: carnivals and so forth on it uh, to, on the grass of Waverley. Uh, yep. But yeah, over over summer, Tuesday I'll we'll be uh, at, a, at a track, whether it's Waverley
1: or or Yeah. And, um, and and that 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 continues through summer. Look, these guys then. In a normal year, and we know it's not normal. A normal year would be heading off pretty soon to uh, training camps and overseas. The guys who don't go—I'm talking you know, males and females here—after uh, a bit of a break would head into the tan on a Tuesday morning. So it's um, yeah, tan in winter and uh, um, track uh, on a Tuesday over over the summer months.
0: Yeah, and what what are some typical sessions that um, uh, you sort of like um, getting the runners to do on those on the Tuesday?
1: Well, yep. the the really the interesting thing about Tuesday is yep. that no session is ever the same, mm-hmm. and um, the the basics of what um, Nick's trying to achieve from it is is pretty similar. they, they the the guys that sort of get. Um, usually cover about eight kilometers in the session and um, but yeah he has that um, he has that knack of uh, you know making it uh, throwing in variety so that um, they don't really know what's coming at them they just know they just know it'll be pretty hard and yep. it's always interesting that uh, you get to the Tuesday session and um, generally they're a bit quiet. Um, <laughs> Not a lot said. I've been over on their training camps. I remember a couple of times in um, at Mount Laguna, and it's about a fifty-minute drive to the to the track when you're in Laguna. And uh, I've I was, I was in a car, and there was about for one of those uh, sort of, you know, um, a car that holds about eight or nine. And I think there was six or seven in the car. Hardly a word
2: spoken for forty to fifty minutes because knew what was coming. So, um, yeah, yeah. And, and look, it does, it varies, as I said. Um,
1: and, and getting closer to um, races, there'll be some bit more intensive, a bit more quicker stuff. But um, look, now, because of the uncertainty about things, it's, uh, a bit of intensity's dropped off. And yep. I just want to keep it, um, you know, back to a, um, I think, Genevieve. Um, Gregson described it as being back tra- like in November training where yeah you're building your fitness up and, and and maintaining a good fitness level while it, everyone's waiting uh, really to 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 find out what um, get a bit more clarity on what will be happening um, and look who knows when we'll when when we'll find that out
0: um and Brett must be feeling pretty good like with the Australian record in the half half marathon like breaking 60 minutes and i think like he's a perfect example of um uh because like he would have been a bit disappointed with his new york marathon result and like perfect example of um yeah just rebounding from a a a negative result and then suddenly you know running an amazing time um yeah it's um yeah yeah, like what what do you have to say about that
1: yeah it was interesting he it public and he said to me that, yep. that it was always his ambition to, to break sixty minutes for the half and yep. uh, so um, which surprised me a little bit but uh, so yeah enormous satisfaction and look he's he doesn't look out of place next to Stewie in training I've got to say that um,
0: uh-huh.
1: particularly the threshold stuff he, he looks you know he him and him and Stewie go go around that and uh, they, they both look fantastic so. Oh look, I think it's just a matter of um uh, time before he runs a great marathon. And um Yep. Yep. I'm not sure when the next one will
2: be for him. Yeah. But uh it could be that one and and I I think he's as I said, I think he's capable of running um running really, really well. And um
1: just a tough event and you need you need everything to all the pieces of the jigsaw to fall into place. But uh yeah, I reckon um I reckon there's a big one in him.
0: Um, have you heard anything about what will potentially happen to the Olympics or are you as much in the dark as all of us? Yeah. 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 Um, only yeah. I haven't heard any, yeah. anything that um,
1: uh, gives us any more clarity. And maybe they don't even know themselves.
2: Yep. You know, whoever's making the call. So, no, look, I think I think it's just
1: really wait and see is all we're... Uh, all we're Thinking or talking
0: about at the moment, so, yeah. Yep. Um, well, yeah, I just wanted to rewind the clock a little bit and, um, yeah, just ask about um, uh, your sort of days back um, at Xavier College and, um, yeah, how you actually got into the sport. Yeah, yep. so, yeah, that's a, a long, long time ago. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I um, originally... I spent the first um, 14 years or 13 years of my life in Albury.
2: Okay.
1: i just played like most kids in a country town, played, uh, played all you know, cricket, football. In fact, at one stage I was playing uh, Aussie rules football on a Saturday and rugby league on a Sunday. So I played a lot of sport. Yep. I wasn't running and, and, and I didn't do any training, but I remember having um, running in, the, in our house school sports and, and doing well enough to qualify to go and run in a, like a um, I think we went to a place called Mirandra to run and um, did alright in that and, and did a couple of other races around um, the Albury area and but then a big move, our family moved to Melbourne okay. and um,
2: I had an older brother who boarded at Xavier the year before I, I
1: came, I spent actually when we came down to Melbourne, I was in year eight, couldn't get into uh, couldn't get a spot for Xavier yep. so I went to Baldwin High School and um, the whole year didn't do any running uh, I still remember um, the uh, athletic sports for Baldwin High School was held at Olympic Park and um, I went in there and I just sat and watched with my mates because it was actually a voluntary thing but I, my mates weren't interested in doing it so I couldn't I, I was probably <laughs> thought oh no what's, <laughs> what the hell I, I won't do it so yeah um so no running at all okay high, but when i got to xavier pat cloessi who a lot of listeners would know um rob d Costello's coach amongst many others and he through my older brother heard that i had done a little bit of running so he he um um he actually came and visited us at our house. Uh, I was living in Northbourne. And he knocked on the door. This was the year before I started, Saga. So, and I was a massive Preston uh, football club. They were playing in the VFA. I was a massive fan of them. He, and in typical Chlo, uh poor timing, <laughs> he came in and it was three-quarter time of the grand final. He's not reporting was about six points in front. And my dad was a bit more polite than me. He just said, we'll turn the sound down. And so Pat Pat started talking to um, my dad and my mum and myself. I spent 30 minutes just watching the game, trying to keep track of it. (laughs) But but really, um, from there, yeah, we did. When I got to Xavier, Pat started getting this running. I I still played other sports, but uh, managed to um, fit in the AX during the AX season, and yep. really, Pat, Chloe was the one, uh, as everyone knows him as, uh, who got me going, and um, we had uh, yeah, a, lot of, um, a lot of really, I suppose if you look back on it, a similar thing to what Nick um, creates, a, a good group of, of runners who enjoyed it, who trained pretty hard. Um, Pat started, um, and I only really recently worked out that uh, it must have been he lived in Caulfield and, and I lived in Hawthorne and he would he would drive from Caulfield on a Sunday morning, pick me up. <laughs> Amazingly enough, in the same I was I lived in in Barker's Road, and also living in Barker's Road was Rob De Costello He was about yep. 500 metres from where I live, Well, he was about. <laughs> probably um a bit more than that probably probably a k from where i lived and he lived on the top of a hill yeah um anyway pat had picked me up and picked deke up and a couple of others and we'd go up to fernie creek so that's how that all started um
2: and um he'd look he would get us running we'd run around the streets of Kew. um rob um as i said he lived on the top of the hill and i was down the bottom of the hill and um I always think that's probably why he was
1: world champion and I wasn't. But he used to finish his runs up the hill and I would always finish down the bottom of the hill. So um, <laughs> it shows the benefit of maybe of hill running. But, um, the others Really, we, we ran pretty much on the, except for Fernie, everything we did was on the road. Okay. And, uh, and now I've sort of worked out that we actually used to run within about 50 metres of all these great trails through our area. Uh, Yarra Bend and which which connects onto Yarra Flats and so forth, but we we didn't know about that, and that's probably why our Achilles and now knees are shot to bits these days. Um,
0: <laughs> how yeah. old was Deeks um, compared to you? What
1: was that? Sorry. Oh, ha- how
0: old was um, uh, Rob um, Costello compared oh, to? It, he's yeah. a couple of
1: years, about a bit over two years um, younger than me. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. So. Um, you know, and we ran through school and then um, after school for a few years as well together, so, um, uh, and then, then we joined, um, Chris Wardle had a, had a bit of a group going, the Packers, I think they called it, and, and we, you know, we joined there. And So pretty much all the way through it's been, get yeah, group situation, never, never really did, did very little running by
2: himself.
0: Yeah, what was the training training like? Um, uh, with Pat Clohesy and 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 then when you joined the pack with Chris Wardlaw, yeah.
1: Um, Pat was that was a, a for 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 young schoolboy runners. It was it was really good. It was not too intensive. Uh, we did a lot of running, so we we built up aerobically. He, I think, Chloe was um, influenced a lot by by Lydied and um, I think the. Uh, the hills up at Fernie were the real basis of it. But
2: mm-hmm. besides that,
1: yeah, we didn't, we didn't, we'd, we'd get a, like a bit of a hill circuit on a Thursday. We'd do a, you know, we might do a 50 minute run on a Monday. And um, Tuesday sessions would be the, probably the quarters that uh, there'd be a few people, you know, 8 by 400 with a 200 float. Um, I think when I look back, what did Pat do? Yeah, he he just created a good environment, is is what we've been talking about, and we and we did did a fair bit of running. Yeah, it was simple.
2: Uh, Yeah. When when it got it got um,
1: probably it definitely went to another level when we left school and uh, volume increased. Uh, The sessions got a bit harder. There was a really hard Saturday morning hill session that that Wardlaw in a go from his house. Um, and, uh, I think even when he, when he wasn't living there, we'd still go to that house. So, uh, which was, um, interesting well, and You'd get, you'd get 20, 20, to 30 people turn up at, uh, at this place in, um, you know, deep Creek road it was, and, and we'd, we'd run from there. But again, and the themes coming through, we, um, yeah, I, I just enjoyed the, the camaraderie and yep. uh, and, uh, you know, the mateship that, um. That there wasn't and 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 the bandit (laughs) really
0: yeah (laughs) with that saturday session the the real hilly um uh sort of uh session um uh, what was the structure behind that like was there a certain time that you had to run or uh, distance or um yeah. yeah
1: most of the the training in that time was not as um structured as it is now yep uh, as far as volume goes as far as intensity as far as heart rate um, it wasn't as structured but when i look back it was uh, it, it did actually um, some of the principles that that we have now would we would do them nearly by accident
2: uh-huh. uh, most of the runs
1: would start off pretty easily and there'd be a, a big group and then it would it would wind up wind up and then really hard at the finish so you might start off with a big group and then it'd be uh, you know survival of the fittest at the end even the easy runs we used to have a run on a friday night from um we'd actually had for some somehow i'm not even sure how we had access to the richmond footy club club rooms and you could, we'd get 30 40 guys mainly guys there was no there was some girls there as well but we'd meet there and run around the tan and and for the first half of the run if not probably two thirds of the run most of the group would still be together and then guys like Dee could build it up build it up and there was a bit of threshold running in that and a bit of hard intensive effort at the end um but it wasn't a uh full out run right from the start it was it was something that that we built up um probably the only um one of the things though I think that was different we didn't do the long reps that uh is pretty common these days in regard a 1k reps or 800 reps or 2k reps so um that uh, informally that might happen in a run but but never um it wasn't as organized in australia i believe parts of the world doing that but uh, yeah i think that was probably an ingredient that that we maybe yeah that that was lacking that that maybe hindered performance in some athletes
0: and Of those twenty forty um guys that were rocking up to runs, uh, were they some of the best runners in Melbourne at the time?
1: Yeah, they were. Yep. But it was there was a big and there was a cross section of um,
2: abilities. Um, a few characters came along. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: um, yeah. Look, we we would then go to the uh, um, London Tavern or um, Cricketer's Arms, probably mainly the Cricketer's Arms. I think across the road. And, yep. A few drinks, um, <laughs> responsibly of course. But, um, but that was all part of it. We, we'd go back there, and, and yeah, it was just—it was just a fun, a fun environment, and that's why people came along. Yeah. So some talented runners, some good runners, but there was
0: some others that yeah, that that weren't as yep. talented, and uh, but they they enjoyed doing it. Mhm. I've always wondered with. Uh, Deke's, uh quarters session. Um, that Cl Clancy was um giving you guys on a Tuesday. Um, what's the origins of that? Like, who 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 came up with that session, and how, and what, why? Yeah, that's yeah.
2: um.
1: Oh gee, I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know whether it goes back to the Ron Clark days or not. Okay. Um, no. Um, I just know that that. That when I started doing it it was it was a fairly standard session that that other athletes had done all that. so um, I got a feeling Clark he did if he didn 't do that, he did something along those lines Meaning yep. evolved from what those guys you know Trevor Vincent and uh, John coyle, what those guys were doing in the well in the 1960s you know we started doing that in the '70s and and 80s, and then it then it started to get a little bit more um, um, organised and, and a bit more, um, you know, scientific, I suppose.
0: And who were some of your inspirations at the time um, that really like inspired your running um, uh, around that age? Yeah, well,
1: I was I was uh, I was lucky enough, and, and I suppose if I'm looking at some of the young guys now who. who been able to sort of you know be um be around you know stewie and and brett and jack and all those guys and ryan gregson but um so i was lucky enough to do some running with ron clark Mm -hmm. when i first went up to the danny nongs uh i reckon i was like maybe 15 16 and the first time i went up there we didn't meet at a cafe we actually met at a uh a guy's house and, um, Frank, Frank McMahon, you know, and you, you, I'm sure you know the McMahon family. Yep. And, and that's really how Fernie, um, uh, evolved because Frank bought a house up there in, and, in, uh, in the Dandenongs and he, he rang a few of the guys and said, he said, oh, I've been look, you know, at this house where I'm up, where I am, there's some really good spots to run. You should come up and try it. And, uh, so they did and they kept coming and then, um, I remember going up there and uh, meet meet at Frank's house and uh, go for your run, and then after with with Ron Clark and uh, and the like, and then I, I can still remember going back and uh, these two he had a water tank, <laughs> the water was freezing. Yep. but it was traditional that you'd get a bucket of water and they'd throw it over you know everyone and sort of have a have a half wash. At, slash shower and um yeah yeah um i uh, no i wasn't a big fan of that but, <laughs> but, but so look ron was ron was fantastic he um um you know i remember him he he, uh, he sort of gave me he gave me um first pair of shoes so, you know he looked after me with some out that shoes and i was actually a bit um uh, a little bit embarrassed when when i started to run quite well and i, I Got a phone call. Well, Mum got a phone call from Puma, okay. her ability who I knew a little bit about. Yep, he organised it and he, 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 he invited us and my Mum and myself down to Puma to um, have a bit of a chat about how we could, um, how they could help us with, with the running and, and i still remember him saying, um, well actually it wasn't. It was Ken Mitchell who was the general manager. There. He said, oh, he said Sally's mum mother's name said sally look we we you know we can't uh we can't afford we haven't got money to to give uh tim but what we'd like to do um you know if he's able to wear our shoes is that we would look after tim and his um siblings brothers and sisters yeah he said to um "He said oh and and how many brothers and sisters has tim got (laughs) and she said nine oh. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> fell off, off the chair <laughs> so but it, it was true to our his word and um our family were um looked after for a few years with um with puma shoes so um, <laughs> um
2: which which was all uh or you know and i hope
1: to get uh i have to get a bit of um uh, you know some 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 coverage out of it, and yep. which I uh, you know I, uh, out. I'm not sure how much they got out, of it, but but yep. um, <laughs> but then um, I sort of um, so that was a little bit that you know, I had to tell Ronalds uh, Ron Clark that I was wearing impudent. <laughs> but then um, then I got myself into another pretty embarrassing situation. It was um, yeah, when 19, oh, the uh, nineteen seventy six, round about that time. Uh, the racing shoes started to come in prior to that everyone would just train the shoes they trained in you'd race in and i was doing that i had this pair you know i was still i was wearing pumas i was still looking after us yeah like chris Wardlaw had been over to america and he ran the beta breakers and he came back and um just about a week before the city to surf he said to me he said oh." When I was over there, Nike, because Nike were looking after me, they gave me these racing shoes, this waffle, they called it, and um, it's much lighter than the normal shoe. He said, Look, I've got your size, do you want to try them? And I th- so I thought, oh, yeah, and I'll give them a try, and um, <laughs> so i put them on, and, th- and uh, they felt really good. So I thought, oh, well, didn't think... Any more of it, and then when the city to surf came up about a week later, I thought, oh, I might as, might try them in that. <laughs> Not think at, at that stage. I thought, oh, you know, I'd finish sixth, seventh, eighth, or something in, in the city. Oh, I wasn't expecting, had no idea that how, that I could, you know, be be a contender, let alone um, as it happened. Yeah. So I wore the shoes and bloody hell, I ended up winning the race. <laughs> and I kept thinking when I went across the line, "Geez, this, this is not good.
2: So, uh, so after looking after me all those years Puma,
1: here I am in the, probably one of the biggest races that um, uh, I'm wearing. So I thought, oh, there'll be some pictures at the finish line, and uh, sorry, at the presentation. That, so I grabbed as much Puma gear as I could and put it on. <laughs> but sure enough, the next day, there's these pictures in the paper of um, you know maybe we'll get going across the line and appear in a pair of Nike. So that was a bit tricky, but uh, anyway, um, uh, you know, managed to, to. I rang them and said, "Look, you know, this is what happened," and 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 they didn't have a road racing shoe. Yeah, uh, so I was probably able to argue that um, you know maybe I wouldn't have won without them. So anyway, yeah.
0: And what what are your thoughts on the progression of shoes lately?
1: yes it's um oh, i'm probably not the, the the best person to ask on that because yeah. i'm as up to date to those people who've run in them but yeah look it's it's a really uh, yeah the murky the whole thing is probably
2: the best way to it to describe it and um, yeah. it it's yeah it seems that um yeah the
1: technology and and is has has increased so much that yeah there is a there is a definite advantage in wearing these shoes, but um, and uh, oh, look, I know they've brought in measures that hopefully will even things out or make it clear. I think that's probably the the key thing is that uh, you know it, it's clear and, and fair for everyone. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, not a not an easy situation.
0: So then yeah, after winning City to Surf. Um and you know, like you say, winning it, and you you said you weren't weren't expecting it. Um, you went on and won it again in in nineteen eighty. Um,
1: yeah. So um, I did yeah, in nineteen eighty, won it again, and um, um, and still wearing puma, and I wore puma <laughs> in that race. And actually, the next day, I couldn't believe it. There was a there was an ad, a full page ad in in one of the Sydney papers, and it and it had um. The headline was two Pumas uh, won the city to surf <laughs> yesterday, and um, and then it had one was on Tim O'Shaughnessy's left foot, the other was on his right foot. So anyway, I thought oh, uh, I will um, I've, I've sort of earned my the stripes
2: there anyway. So um, they they were they were happy. Uh, the
1: old saying, all's well that ends well. So yeah, <laughs> won it at um, like, both times in Olympic years. So uh, yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, might have been that the best runners were at the Olympics. Um, in '80 it wasn't a super strong field, but in 1976, like the guys were back from the Olympics. But yeah, I think Deek and and uh, might have been second, and Chris Wardlaw Renned I remember, and Jared Barrett, one of the guys from the Olympics. But yeah, maybe maybe they caught them off guard. But in 1976, the the start was um, it wasn't Seated. So basically, um, I remember when we turned up about oh, probably an hour before the start of the race. The queue from the start, it was three hundred metres long like at that stage. Oh
0: really? I
1: remember looking around and I saw you know the uh, the other guys, you know Deke and um, Chris Waterloo and stuff, and I said, "Geez, what are we what are we going to do here? I'm not <laughs> going to get the queue here, are we?" And so we all decided that we would wear a, an old T-shirt over our numbers and start in this little park, and then just run and um, uh, join in as soon as we can. So, which we all did. We all pretty much started together, um, or so we thought. We all started together. Yep. And um, um, anyway, did that. Got got into the tunnel through king's cross and everyone threw their t-shirts off i still remember talking to someone later who said it was pretty amazing i was running through the king's cross tunnel and there were all these uh, (laughs) t-shirts on the ground what would people be throwing t-shirts away for anyway so eventually yeah um race finished and uh um you know we were chatting about it afterwards and what a chaotic start it was and about 10 minutes after we'd finished, in comes this guy from Tasmania, Kent Raynard, who was the national cross-country champion chairman oh. at that stage. And he'd also, yeah, represented Australia at World Cross and so forth. And yeah. he, he comes over, he says, oh, God, how'd you guys go? And I said, oh, well, he won. And he was second. He was third. He said,
2: oh, God, you must have got there two hours before, <laughs> you know, to get a good start. And
1: we sort of didn't really say too much, but we also thought, you know... Uh, yeah a typical you know guy from Tasmania would just cuz he he jumped in the queue he was about 400 metres from the start um, when the gun went um so uh, yeah anyway we didn't say too much about what we did and um but eventually i think within a year or, or a couple of years they um they had the seated start so you didn't have to you didn't have to do uh be the you know have the the banded start anymore
0: and Tim, what, what would you say your best event was? Because you also went on to represent Australia at two World Cross Countries. Um, but you you were pretty good on the track, weren't you? Yeah, so
1: I had a reasonable rate. Like, I think, you know, um, I was, um, you know, had a couple of placings at National 1500. Um, yep. And then, as you say, 12K cross country. I think city deserves what, you know, reasonable at some... Um, I don't know, it's thirteen K, twelve K, something like that. Um uh, it's over forty minutes of running,
2: I know that, so. Yeah. Uh yes, um, oh look. Hard hard to know. Probably
1: should have been five K, but uh it, it didn't ever eventuate that. I I thought everyone has their hard luck stories. I, I used to get these um stomach cramps
2: <laughs> at
1: uh, um which which sort of gradually came on from when I I might have, when I was a junior, maybe had it, you know, once every two years, but then it became a bit more regular. And, uh, I think it it really did affect me in the longer distance. Yeah. And I still remember running a, running a 5k and, um, with a guy called Steve Austin and we had, we had 800 to go and, um, he was, um, I was with him. He ended up running in the low 1330s, and I had this stomach cramp which I had to pull out. Um, also had a couple at uh at World Cross I had to pull out as well with the you know this bad um stomach cramp. So it, um, uh, are you there? Yeah, 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 yeah sorry, something, methan- yeah, um, and yeah, so I think. That if, uh, I, I tended to concentrate a bit more on fifteen hundreds, yep. and because of this problem that I was getting with, um, I call them stomach cramps. It actually, it was like a really severe spasm in the in the um, abdominal muscle, and was never able to. Had a lot of doctors look at it. Was never able to get to the end, to the bottom of it. I've heard occasionally of some other runners having it. Did
0: did like, Tom Tom, your son, ever get it? Hmm? Did Tom ever get it, your son?
1: No, no, no. Tom, Tom never ran far enough, I think. <laughs> uh, uh, Tom, Tom was a pretty good runner. He, he got the best out of himself. but um, cool. he. Uh, I sort of joke, because um, his mother, Marion, she was a 400-meter uh, a you know, Australian champion, and... Um, and then you know I was sort of a 800, 1500 meter runner, and I think I got some of Mum's jeans and some of my genes. And probably the ideal distance was 600 meters for Tom, but uh, you yep. <laughs> needed to go and run the indoors over in the states. <laughs> and look, he um,
2: loves his running, and, and he's got a lot out of it. And now he's got a got a, a great job
1: involved in athletics. So it's been um, yeah, it's been pretty good to him
0: you've had uh you, you like i was look, looking um online in, in researching for this interview and I, I just like i was amazed at your your knack of getting some really cool jobs um like i saw you know that you got into sort of more the football coaching and um yeah um initially started um helping out at S- sandy football club and then um were a fi- fitness advisor at, at collingwood um and and then, you know, head head coach at Old Xavier um football club where you got three premierships. Uh and then went on to Ajax, um and then yeah, Caulfield Caulfield Grammar. And yep. then yep. yeah, your your brother Ralph, um, it also like had some you know, great roles at, at Sydney and GWS um as an analysis and strategy sort of role. Yeah. Um and, and then yeah, also all your History with Wesley Grammar, and um, and then also getting getting the gig with um, AFT Australia as a national distance running coordinator. Um, yeah, h- how did you get into um? Yes. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, well, um,
1: yeah, no, it's, it's and I think it's um having having different experiences has, has held me in good stead. So. Yep. Um, initially, um, yeah, the first sort of job I had was 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 a sports director or you know sports coordinator at um, Xavier junior school and then I sort of from there went on to, to Melbourne grammar and and did a similar role um, but I, I was lucky enough I was uh, um, actually knew Gubby Allen or Graham Allen who was involved with Collingwood footy club and made of mine Jared uh, Sholleley I was at his wedding and I was actually happened to be sitting next to, to Gabby Allen and he told me there was a position coming up at uh at Collingwood Footy Club in the in the fitness area. Yeah. And um he I, he said to me, Oh, would you be interested? I, and I said, Oh, yeah, I'd really be interested in that. And um he said, I'll oh, give me a call next week. So he uh so I rang him rang him the next week and said, Look, um yeah, from the wedding what is there a role? He said, hey, look, there is a role where we're doing we're doing some interviews and and so forth at the moment he said um uh yeah and i'll, I'll put your name in the ring so i had in the ring and he um so then I, a couple of days later i got a phone call from lee matthews and uh he said uh, he, he actually lived very close to where i was he said oh can i meet you and uh um lee matthews a legend uh, i said yeah look and so we organized a meet down in, uh Hampton, and I still remember turning up there to what I thought was an interview um, really nervous and uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, we're about ten minutes into it, and he's the way he's talking, he was being very specific about the role that i that that was involved, and yeah specifically what I was doing and and it was only after about. You know a little bit after that, I realized actually I had the job. <laughs> no one had told me <laughs> so, uh, anyway,
2: so that was good so I got involved uh, yeah it was um uh, senior fitness advisor was the uh, uh-huh.
1: was the job but the players abbreviated that down to um, so um, instead of senior fitness advisor they they call it um, uh, SFA because that's that's how much work they reckon I was
2: doing. Oh. <laughs> bit unkind. But, uh, <laughs> that's, that's what happens at footy clubs. Um,
1: so I was at Collingwood uh, for ten years and um, ten or eleven years actually, and and yeah, learnt. Oh, it was a great experience, learnt a lot, and I think that held me in good stead later on in um, in in coaching and managing and. The athletics coordinating position. So to be involved at a at a sport at an elite level, yeah, uh, dif- away from athletics was was, was really good. You now, I I sort of I was a really you know I bagged for Collingwood, so it was it was a bit of a thrill to go down to the club that um, that you supported. Although it was really interesting, um, I was I was a really passionate. Calling supporters, most are. But when I was working there, it took a lot of that part out of it, and it was like it became more of a job. Uh-huh. And, and as long as you you know, if you did your job properly, um, then um, uh, that was more important than whether the team won or lost. Or you know, there's, of course, it was nice to, to, to win. But it was yeah, it it it, it was interesting the way that um, I became a bit more um yeah, you know, sort of yeah you know, business, you know, you let we yep. had had the job done. Um although nineteen ninety when Collingham won the premiership and after a big drought that was a pretty that was a pretty big pretty big day and a pretty pretty big uh, night from there as well.
0: <laughs> and and then uh how, how did you so I mean what are your memories of the premierships with uh old Xavier um and, and uh coaching um yeah. The old, oh, old Zabs. It was a bit
1: similar, actually. I uh, as to the Collingwood thing. I finished um, in nineteen ninety seven at Collingwood, and um, um, my brother Rafa, you mentioned before, he'd been involved at Old Zabs, and I said I gave him a call and said, "Oh look, yeah, if you need a bit of a hand, um, let us uh, let us let us know. I'd be happy to help out." And so the guy who'd coached the year before. And and Ralph, they, we met down at the Orang for a drink and I said, I, and I thought, oh, yeah, I'll be, um, you know, maybe just help a bit out in the fitness side of things. And um, I said, oh, what role have you got in mind, you guys? And they said, well, we want you to coach. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I looked over at the previous coach. I said, aren't you the coach? And he said, look, I, I, I just don't want to do it. He said, I found it too stressful. Uh-huh. And uh, anyway, so I've, I, I thought, oh well, yeah, I'll give it a try. And look, um, it was a great club, had a lot of a lot of really good players, and um, yeah, we were we were we were pretty successful. The club won six premierships in a row. I was coach for three of them, yep. and that, um, uh, I, I was there for five years. So um, yeah, uh, uh, again, the players reckon that. Um, um, they won three premierships and I lost two, so oh. um, <laughs> uh, uh, it's a hard world.
0: Did you find it stressful, like, because um, w- w- that was that your sort of introduction into coaching? Yeah, look, not really. Yeah, uh, no, it, it
1: it was um uh, uh, you, you know you'd you'd build up for the games, but no, it was no, I oh, look, it was it was great. I you know, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um. And, you know, I had good players and, you know, I used, I used to say to them, you know, that people would ask me, um, you know, what makes a good coach? And I'd say, good players. And, and I'd say, well, what makes a great coach? And I'd say, great players. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I really, you know,
1: it, it, it was a... But a lot of the basis, again, of uh, creating a good culture, having um, good leaders, Doing the, your better players doing the right things, um, all of those principles, which are still the same in in a running group or in um, you know a footy group or any any group for that matter.
0: Yep, and then from two thousand and seven to two thousand and fourteen, uh, you you were the Athletics Australia National Distance Running Coordinator, and and then in two thousand and eight, um, the Beijing Olympic. Um, distance coach, uh, yeah. What a, what a, like, what are some of your great memories from that role? Yeah, it. it uh,
1: um, oh, it was a, you know, a, a role that, um, that, that that I loved doing, and uh, yeah, I was very, really lucky um, that I, that, I, you know, particularly um, in the early days. Well supported, and uh, got um, to be involved with a lot of teams. The, the early years were pretty tough, in uh, as far as at the, at the um, elite level, you know, in, in performance was our athletes. Then at that stage, yeah, on the world stage, we find it really, really tough. I, I remember, you know, one of, a real highlight was when um, Yusuf Abdi you know, finished sixth in the Olympic. Um, I got a, a real understanding of how tough it is at, at that
2: level. At the at, when you go to the major championships, um, but um, uh, world
1: cross, you know, the yep. um, that was the, the bronze medal from the girls was was fantastic in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, but big performances at the major championships, you know, were few and far between, um, and uh, that's why I got. Um, even though it was down the track, i got a lot of satisfaction and a lot, of, and I was really thrilled with how um, our athletes performed in Rio. Distant yep. athletes to, to 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 be able to um, the performances there, I thought were fantastic, particularly the girls in, in the you know the, the at bright at, at the pointy end, and
2: it's probably a, a pity now we um you know with, with what's
1: going on with the. The, the Olympics that we don't get a chance to build on that in um, Tokyo it will happen at some stage but um, not um, not at uh, not in the short term um, but look the role uh, yes it, it it probably didn't end up the way it was supposed to um, it was it was designed initially to have a um, a hub out of um, the VIS mm-hmm. you would bring athletes in from um, from all over Australia to um, you know to to be have well world best practices but look there was a, there was never a budget that was going to sustain something like that um, so really what we had to build up was um, relationships with coaches and with athletes and and to give them opportunities with either travel or competition or camps and so forth and um, you know, we had um um I think one thing that that, that that was really um beneficial was the junior camp that we'd run
2: at Falls Creek.
0: Yep. We we would get the best uh, juniors and get them into
1: an environment where they could um yeah, be exposed to our top athletes, uh training habits and also just uh, again that camaraderie, they would they would come together, build friendships. Amongst their peers, and um, and I think that from there the training camp, um, eh, the education on it and the value of training camps was um, uh, instilled in them, and I think that's fired on. And the numbers at Falls Creek mainly, but there are other training camps around Australia, uh, um, really grew from the fact that um, yeah we we were bringing in twenty five sometimes thirty. Juniors each year to uh, to Falls Creek,
0: and you could you could argue that um, even though your role, um, that role's finished, but you, you still uh, apparently the O'Shaughnessy House, um, you know, is st- still like the the like a homely residence for a lot of um, the athletic athletics yeah, um, community. Yeah, so
1: it really started when um, when I was involved in in, in athletics. Um, with Athletics Australia, that uh, I would um, we'd get athletes from interstate, bring them to Melbourne to for competition generally or some, for some training. And, um, yeah, the little money was pretty tight and we had a big house and the kids were starting to be over. Um, you've got Tom, as you mentioned, and um, Hannah and Amelia, the daughters, they were they were starting to, to move out and so there was plenty of room. Um, you know, I remember, um, oh, look, we had lots of athletes, you know, in and stayed here for quite a while. Um, Jacob Burke was always one that I was working on for a while. The uh, triathlete was a terrific runner, people might remember.
2: Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, look, I, I think we, we did a bit of a count and there'd be probably over 20 <laughs>
1: Olympians that, that have stayed here at various stages. So um, yeah. it's great. And, you know, Ryan and Genevieve Briggs, and, uh, they've been here for... About six years now over over so when they're in Melbourne, but um um this will be their last dinners there. They've got their they've got a house in um, not far from here in South Road, um, uh, East Brighton. They'd like to have make it on that, it's, uh, or maybe even Brighton. They might be calling it. I'm not sure about that, but
2: uh,
1: <laughs> and Matt Ramsden he was here as well over over summer. But look, we've had um. Yeah, it's been, which is great. It's really, really good way of getting to, you know, getting to, to know good people, pretty much.
0: And you were a really, really close friend of the late Maury Plant. Um, uh, yeah. Can you yeah. like educate listeners on like how how pivotal um, his mm-hmm. his role was in athletics and um, and and your relationship with Maury? Yes, uh, so-
1: and I go back to, um, to, to Xavier days, and uh, he was um, um, when, I, as, I, as you sort of, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I, when I when I started Xavier, I've done very little running. But Maury was a pretty seasoned runner at that stage. He was a state champion, and he had uh, Pat he as my coach. But Maury knew the the ropes with athletics, and he really guided me a lot on um those early stages on, on how it all worked and and um gave, gave me a I think he, he really um you know got the message that to, to aim high and to, to be that, that to be as good as you possibly can and, and um I the decision to go towards athletics instead of some other you know the other sports um you know Murray was a factor in that. he 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 was one of those guys he's self-made he basically made himself into one of the um you know most influential people probably have to say in the world in in athletics yeah it's it's coming in and um he, he look he's you know we can even we even see um you know now the couple of the meets we had over summer um yeah it stood out that um you know, we, we, were, we were missing Mori there. So, look, an enormous loss. Um, and, and, and a friend I'd had for, well, since I was, you know, for over, over 50 years. So, um, thinking still of, of him and, and, and his, his, his boys, his three boys, and, um, you know, um,
0: how, how tough it must be for them. Yeah. Yeah, well said. And... Then I just wanted to finish off with, like, um, three, you know, three last questions. Um, uh, Who's the funniest member or person on MTC? Oh, Uh, (laughs) jeez. I could have uh, have found a few people (laughs) here. Yeah.
1: Look, well, Ryan, I... um, Because I spend a lot more time with Ryan... Yep. And, um we have a probably a very similar sense of humor and uh, he's always picking up little things <laughs> that they'll they'll text me or he'll take a photo of that he's found in the paper and vice versa so yeah and um, uh, look um, both Ryan and Jen actually they're, 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 <laughs> they make me laugh yeah people people um, I put I put it both down Making me uh, making me laugh and just like little yeah they pick up on so
0: yeah yes and that'll keep things happy around the house as well. <laughs> I think you're just protecting yourself there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, most talented runner you've ever seen. Cool. Uh I've
1: always said yeah uh, Yep. Like, Stewie's, yes, yeah, Stewie's getting close, but no, I, I would. Um, uh, look, I had the, had the privilege of um, riding the bike a lot when Craig was was running, and um, he he was amazing um, to be riding, so riding with him or just behind him, and you just watch for a guy of his size, the uh, how fluent he was, how powerful he was. Um, and uh, some, of the, some of the things I saw him do in training were incredible.
0: What so, What's one of those sessions that really...
1: Well, he better four-minute mile in training at one stage. Oh, know? really? In, in in reps where he was going uh, hard, doing a fast 400, uh, doing a mile where he'd go one lap hard, one lap easy. He was like doing 63s, 58s, 63s, 62, <laughs> 58, you know. <laughs> <laughs> sixty three fifty seven something like that he was um or you know so he yeah he um yeah so, he, I think he did a session where where he was doing his miles and he did maybe one in in, in the slower ones were in sixty two and the quicker ones were around fifty eight so around four minutes
0: pretty what, pretty what, pretty handy, was that that session where like i think um uh la la uh Last year at World Cross, um you you told me that you had to clear there was a few little after no, Yeah. yeah. Right. You had, had to clear the yeah. track and then they all watched. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, well. Um no, he was um he was pretty special. Nice.
0: And and then lastly, um, what's your favorite part about this sport? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, well look it's um Without, without athletics, my whole life would be be different. Um, obviously, through that, um, met Marion, and um, you know we've been we've been married uh, since nineteen seventy eight. Yeah. Uh, um, our, our, our kids and uh, have um, been brought up in the sport, and uh, as I mentioned, Tom Tom works there. My daughters love it. Uh, Involvement in athletics, they've all they've all done their athletics over the time. And me, the youngest one, she's she's a really keen runner. So yeah, look the thing the thing it, it's it's what it's what it's given to me. I've had um, um, not only a running career, but also I've had uh, uh, been not only the coaching side of things, but yet yeah, to be to be working in athletics as a job for eight years doing something that I, that I thoroughly enjoyed so it's really the um yeah how it's, how it's um, um how my life has has really you know been been athletics i suppose
2: um, yeah yeah
1: so that's that's the that's the thing that i really take out of it and uh um yeah Marion's still very involved she's president of athletics international
2: and,
1: yeah um, yeah so um a lot of athletics talk around the house
0: and that that's um that's with Trevor Vincent and and a yes. few others.
2: Yeah, yeah. So the group of X-athletes that, um, and it, I think it came about from I think Ron Clark might have been involved in it in the early days,
1: and um, some of his prize money was um, that that was frozen at the time, and was put in a trust, and they've been able to use that to. To help many, many athletes over the years, and it's and it's still still very viable and and,
0: and vibrant and um, yeah, and also just a, it
1: it it's a great great way of athletes once they finished, to keep in touch and, and keep connected.
0: Yep, and is that that scholarship that um, they give out each year to yeah, an up and comer?
1: A, a number of things. There's a Ron Clark scholarship. There's uh, uh, travel grants to juniors. Um, who might be you know, for the world juniors, a um, world junior cross, world junior track and field, and uh, there's also grants they give out. To, uh, there's there's scholarship awards. There's also um, at the uh, at the end of the track season they will give awards, um, which is money, which goes down very well to the athletes for um, you know performances throughout the season.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Oh, thanks so much tim for um yeah donating you know s- s- such a big part of your day um to you know being on the podcast um yeah you know it's really appreciated and so many listeners will find the stories that you've just shared and and the um yeah the experiences and the information yeah really useful so now thanks so much for yeah thank being on
2: the podcast you. thank you no worries tim i'll see you later All right. okay bye